Tom Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, Million Dollar Agent. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you? Good, good. Good. How are you, mate? Good. Hi, good Tom. to see you both. You know, I have to say that when I see the appointment in my diary, Million Dollar Agent podcast, you want to I... shift it. <laughs> Where? You say, Judith. Was... Is there any? Can we make up an excuse? <laughs> Judith, how many? <laughs> Judith, is it definitely on? <laughs> Judith. <laughs> Have uh, you checked I'm, with Aaron? Look at that. I was about to, uh, Troy, I was about to say a compliment, a compliment that That's I thought nice. to myself, it's an opportunity to see my two good friends. I get to, I get to see them. Um, and one of the reasons... We I have fun, too. We yeah. have fun. We have fun, John? We love it. I love it. Well, one of the no, I do love it, actually. Awesome. I, I love, you, you and I, well, Troy's the same. We love sharing stuff. And I think that's, every day you can share ideas with people. J.M., how many talks do you reckon you've done, public talks? A thousand? Oh. Two thousand? I don't know, probably, th- yeah, yeah. Okay. Probably at least. So can I ask you, same feeling? When you speak to people, you still, um, what's, w- w- how is it different to your first ten talks to now? Oh, look, hopefully one gets better as, as one goes on and gets more experience and practice. I think, uh, I still feel that, butterflies and adrenaline when I give a speech, even though I've done it for 30 years almost, um, <clears throat> which is a good thing. And a lot of people say to me, I still get nerves when I do a speech or a listing presentation. I say, that's such a healthy thing because it means you really want to do well and you kind of got that nice on the edge feeling. So I feel like that. I think it's, um, I try and pick up, in fact, one of the things I'm going to talk about in a minute is a conversation I had with a couple of my guys recently, sort of early on in the year. Um, Con and Braden. But you know, what I try and do, Tom, one of my jobs, I think, in the McGrath company is to find out what's working, what's happening in, in different parts of the business and then spread it across. A bit like cross-pollination, as they call it. You sound like Google. You get the information and spread it spread around. Spread it around. Exactly right. So it was, it was interesting because, you know, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, we're getting into the year a bit now, but it wasn't that long ago when it was sort of early days. It was like approaching the Australia Day weekend. And I was sitting down with Con Stathopoulos, our great sales manager from Melbourne originally and now with us in Sydney. And we were talking to some of our, our agents and I was talking to Braden Walters in Newtown, who's a great guy. Yeah. And uh, Braden, you know, last year I think he did 700, a really good number. I said, what do you want to do this year? And he said, oh, 2x, 1.5. And, and I said, okay, well, I reckon you can do it, no problem. We talked through a few strategies and then I happened to actually have a listing referral in his area, which is around Newtown, St. Peter's. And I said, well, funny enough, I've got a friend of mine thinking of selling. Here's his details. Give him a call. He wants to see you ASAP. So he went around there that night. And I rang him the next morning. Now, remember, I said to him, what do you want to do? He said, I want a 2X. And one of my favourite sayings and quotes is, what got you here won't get you there. Yeah. So you've got, to, you've got to grow. And if you want a 2X, you've got to do different stuff. Rang him the next day. I said, how did you go with Paulie, my friend, last night? He said, fantastic. Very nice guy. Really good apartment. It's worth, you know, 7 to 7.25-ish thereabouts. And, um, and I said, so, you know, it's listed. He said, oh, I'm going around this afternoon, or t- yeah, this afternoon, to do it. I'll get a campaign, I'll get his credit card, I'll go around and I'll get all the paperwork done. Then I'm going to get three quotes from three stylists. And I said, so, Braden, here's the issue. Why didn't you sign it last night? He was ready to go by the sound of it. I hadn't spoken to him, but he, he agreed to it all. And he said, oh, look, normally I go back a second time. I said, well... Here's the thing, and, and, and it's well intended, yeah. but it was, a, it was a habit, an old habit. And I said, well, if you want a 2X, if you want to go to one and a half million, now normally you have to sign it up first time around yeah. when you yeah. get it. 
because you don't know what someone's going to say tomorrow and you don't know yeah. if someone gets cold feet or whatever happens. And, and even if, if none of the above happens, you don't want to go twice when you can achieve something once. Yeah. So the first thing was, you know, you have to scrutinise your habits and you, you have to be prepared to adjust things that you used to do if they're not going to serve you anymore. Second thing I said, and we're great believers in styling and, and stylists, and the second thing I said was, why do you have to get three quotes for three stylists? We've got incredibly great relationships with one or two fantastic styling companies. Why don't you just call one of them? We know roughly what it should cost to style a one-bedroom apartment. And we said, why don't you just... I said, why don't you get one of them around? I mean, why would you spend another four hours when you can probably get as good a result in, in half an hour or an hour? So it was just about... I think the moral of the story for me, Troy, was you have to be prepared to let go of some old habits to go to the next level. Um, and uh, they weren't bad habits, by the way. I mean, getting three stylists and going back twice. There's nothing technically wrong with either of those. But if you want to grow your business, you just need to be efficient. That was the first thing. Then I was speaking with Con, and he, he told me a great story about when he started with us. He came, as I think you know, Tom, from, he came from Victoria, from yeah. Melbourne, and he came from the office, office supplies, mm-hmm. was yeah. it Troy? Industry, non-real estate. He came to Sydney and he said, well, I'm going to be the sales manager. I want to talk to the top agents at McGrath and see what are they doing differently. And he said, you know, sat down with the top five people and he wrote down all these notes. And, and one of the key things was they're exceptional networkers. They're really good at connecting with people and staying connected and staying in touch and uh, creating new networks for themselves. So he said, well, if I'm going to teach this as a staple part of McGrath way of life, I need to be really doing it myself. And he knew no one in Sydney. He had one friend in Kensington, and other than that, he knew no one. Anyway, long story short, he went to LinkedIn and he found a small but rapidly growing accounting firm. He rang them up and he said, you don't know me, I don't know you, but I've noticed that you know, you're growing as a business and you've done a few posts on LinkedIn and I've just joined a company called McGrath and we're in real estate and you're in accounting and I think it'd be really interesting for us to catch up and form a relationship. Within 12 months of that phone call, Con had received, which he, because he's a sales manager, he referred them out, 27 listing leads from that one company and they, he, he had or his team had secured 16 listings off one phone call. So, one phone call equals 16 listings by creating a new network for yeah. yourself. How many agents are not making that phone call? Yeah. And what if it wasn't one network that you reached out to, it was six or ten? Yeah. So, people that are sitting there saying, I don't know how I can 2x and there's not enough listings, reality yeah. is you're not doing what it takes yeah. to attract the listings into your vortex, yeah. into your network. Yeah. So, just those two little things that I heard in the last you know, few weeks when we came back to work, they really stood out for me, something I wanted to share with our, I think with our MDA audience. I, I think they're absolutely gold because starting off from the second one, guys, we increasingly hear real estate agents that are picking up a lot of business from shot callers and connectors in the marketplace. One person that you create as a raving fan can create 20 raving fans for you. Uncontested business, you have positioning because they're already talking about you when you're not there. And you're saying that happened because this guy, Constathopoulos, comes from Melbourne and has 20 seconds of courage to pick up the phone and have this conversation with someone on a LinkedIn uh, connection. Correct. Right. Had no, no connection with them, nothing other than he found them through LinkedIn, so they must have been a friend of a friend or connection, and that might have been his introduction. Who knows? I didn't even ask him. But, I mean, just imagine you're making a call a week 
Don't worry about a call a day. One call a week like that, and imagine that 50% of them respond positively, you meet, and they become a source of business. And look, I don't know if 27 and 16 is a big number or small, but that's the number that this phone call made for him. 27 listing leads, which have currently converted to 16 real live listed McGrath auctions for this year. Mm. and they, you know, out of the 11 that, that haven't materialised yet, they might materialise in the near future, so the number might get even better. But so you've got to be prepared to reinvent yourself and step out yeah. and, and reach out and connect. This is a people-based industry. We say it week in, week out, and people do business with people and they respond to energy and they buy your passion. Yeah. So, And that's where you know, you know Con um, very yeah, well, Tom, and, and that he is just the sort of guy that if you meet him, you won't forget him because yeah. he's authentically positive. So anyway, just hopefully for our audience, those yeah, on that one, I was going to say, a, a great point about that and the way Con works and what we do with a lot of the guys I work with, we do an exercise where we say, write down absolutely everyone you know in a professional relationship. So it might be the local person that you do your accounts with, so yeah. an accountant, it might be the cafe owner, it yeah. might be your optometrist. Write down every single person you know if you can name them by the first name, you've got a relationship yeah. with them, do they know you're in real estate? Yeah. That's the second biggest question. We see it time and time again. A lot of people are in the industry. They know you from your old job. But they know you from your old career or yeah. they know you from a family friend or a connection. They actually don't know you're in real estate. People actually want to get help off people. Yeah. And Troy, to that point, I agree with you. It's not just knowing you're in real estate, but saying, hey, Tom, if there's anything I can ever do for you or your friends, please Correct. let me know because I just love serving people. It's a real, it's the that greatest is- part of my job. I love helping people and real estate, people need a hand. That is, JM, Matt LaHood, that's like a script that is in Matt LaHood's head. Yeah. Because nearly every conversation I have with Matt LaHood finishes up with this, mate, and is there anything I can do for you? Correct. He just says that time and time again. Anything you need, whatever. Anything you need. Like, the, the reality is, I know, I know that if I did, I would call him, but I still enjoy the fact that he thinks about that as I finish the phone call with him. That's right. And it becomes a habit. It reminds me of a story a while ago. You know Gay Waterhouse, the yeah. racehorse trainer, yeah. incredibly successful. And, and She gets a massage a day, I remember you saying. Every day at 10 a.m., yeah. So she's up at 2 or 3 in the morning and she works incredibly long hours. And she's amazingly successful, great trainer, incredible networker and, and, and so on. Just a great lady. And I was fortunate that, that I invited her to speak at one of our conferences one day. And she came and she gave a great 45-minute uh, Q&A, which is fantastic. But another time, because I do also, as you know, Tom, some of the listeners know, I breed some thoroughbred horses as well. And I bred one and I thought, I'll give it to Gay because she's such a great person. So I rang her up and I said, Gay, I'd love to have a chat to you. She said, yep, well, I'm finished work at... 8.30am on my morning shift and then I'm heading home for a couple of hours and I'll pop in. So uh, I said, well, look, I'm actually going to work from home today because I've got a really bad throat, sore throat, and I had a bit of a cold. So I said, you know, can we meet in the cafe at the base of my building? So she met, we met there and we had a really great conversation and she said, you know, what's wrong with your voice? And I told her. Anyway, later that day I get a knock on the door from the concierge. Gabe Waterhouse has sent back this little uh, therapeutic bottle of homeopathic um, you know, essential oils or something yeah. for your throat. Yeah. So come, I'm just coming back. You, when, when you said the thing about Matt LaHood, she had recognised that I had a, a throat issue and she said a little card that said, you know, take, you know, two swigs of this twice a day, it'll fix you in no time, which it did. Um, but she had her driver 
when she'd finished you know, work, he went to the, the pharmaceutical place, the chemist store, the uh, health food store, got a bottle and dropped it over. So people that develop habits of wanting to help others, yeah. and it's not about you know, repaying a favour and it's not about because I want to get business. It just becomes a part of your DNA. You love helping people. And yeah. I get the buzz more than the people that I help yeah. out of helping them. So um, success leaves clues. We say it all the time in our company. If you watch what successful people do and you replicate it, you will follow in their footsteps. I love Have that. Have we got a question for Q&A? Yeah, yeah. I know we got sidetracked there, but both those issues, the the, the story about uh, um, your agent in Newtown, Braden, yep. thinking that, hey, I've got this listing, I won't bother getting the paperwork done now. Um, I've got to say, and Braden's a great agent, the that issue, I can't, guys, I can't get over the amount of people that have got this this issue or dilemma in their head about, like they feel like it's the right time to ask, but they don't ask for the for, for the business. They feel like it's a little bit hard. But you, you you summarized it at a podcast about three months ago, John, where we talked about hard soft. Yeah, having this ability to be empathetic, but still being direct. Correct. I think that's the key, and that's the combination. That's the that's the killer combination. People people don't want to deal with someone that fluff talks, fluff talks, fluff talks, and never gets the point. But they also don't want to deal with someone that that is, you know, uh, someone talked about it today. Tom Tom Ferry calls it uh, commission breath. Every time they open their mouth, you can smell. You know, they want commission. They want they're after every breath they take. They want a commission. You actually want someone that can be honest and direct and yeah. tell you what you need to hear, yeah. but also gives a damn about you, really cares about you as a human being. That's that combination. That's, you know, you get that and all of a sudden, you know, you're okay. home and hosed. Um, we got time for a Q&A? Yeah, let's okay. do a quick one. I'm currently doing 55 transactions per year Good. with an assistant at an average sale price of 450 k My average sale price is something I would really love to increase. There are a lot of homes in our area selling above my average price and I'm not seen to get the opportunity to get into the door. Any tips would be much appreciated. They say what area or what part yeah, of is so it? Let's Sydney have a look or here. Victoria, um, New South Wales, Queensland? Where are they? Um, uh, uh, I don't know whether I, I can mention... Uh, um, just an area, just a, what town, what city? Career property. Um, Johnny, I cannot tell from the email that's been forward. Uh, doesn't matter. Forward, doesn't matter. Forward, so the average sale on. price is four fifty, right? Four fifty. Um, interesting. Shifting from four fifty to seven fifty. Firstly, it's a decision, and it sounds like the decision's been half made, but the confidence. So I remember Bethwin Richards many mm. years ago, Troy. Um, Bethwin. Uh, in fact, you used to work with Bethany, yeah. right? You were her CSM for a while and, yep. and her associate. So, you know, Bethany decided she was selling, you know, the equivalent of this kind of one and two bedroom units and semis around the beachside. And she decided one day that she wanted to get to the top end. And she came to me and asked the same question. And she said, you know, what do I do? And I said, well, you've, you've made the first step, which is you've actually made the decision. Yeah. Second step is two, two or three things. One is you, you've got to equip yourself with the product knowledge of what's happening at the top end of the market. Because you will get opportunities once you make the decision. You will get opportunities, so you have to be well equipped. When you turn up, you've got to know your stuff. Because the people at that end of the market, with respect to everyone else in the world, they're going to be tough 
scrutinising the agents. They're going to expect you to know your stuff better than anyone else will because you know they're, they're probably very successful people for whatever reason and they've got more expensive homes so they may well be in the world of business, who knows, and they'll be drilling in and making sure you know your stuff. So I said get yourself fully equipped. So the same advice I would say to this particular person, get yourself fully equipped in terms of product knowledge and know your stuff. Secondly is um, they're generally different, slightly different networks that are in that top end. So you've got to work out what networks in your community can you connect into and join that will give you entrees into that top end. Because here's the thing I found, Tom. When you get one or two listings at the top end, word travels incredibly fast. Because often the properties are high profile, so they're going for bigger prices. They attract sort of interest from that similar sort of network. So the people coming through them, of course, are people that own similar houses in many instances, yeah. and they're going to be selling their properties soon. So all you need to do is get a start. Make the decision. Don't wonder about it. Make the decision, I'm going to get into the top end of the market. So instead of a 450 average sale price, why, by the way, you should keep that into the market, but you might say, I'm going to now target million-dollar homes as well, yeah. not instead of, as well. So then you say, okay, I need to equip myself with the product knowledge around what's been selling and what are the best streets and, and so forth. Then I need to find a way to get into that set of people, that, that group of people or circle of people that are in that top end of the market. Um, to be honest, listing a property for a million or half a million or 10 million, it doesn't really matter, it's not that different other than the people are going to be tougher critics often for you. They're going to, they'll give you a real grilling um, but the same process of sitting down, understanding their goals and needs, talking through it, asking them a number of open-ended questions to, to get a you sense You went through of that process, John, when you were uh, selling in real estate. Did you go from um, a, um, a lower price range to a larger average sale price? Yeah, well, I've often told on stage the story of when I listed nine Wolsey Crescent that went for 11 and a quarter million. At that point, I'd never sold a property over a million. So you went from one million to selling a property eleven and a quarter. Eleven and a quarter. Yeah, and I had um, no. I really didn't make that decision at that end. That was just an opportunity came up, and I. Can backed I ask myself. how you got the listing? Yeah, it was a referral from a friend of mine in Perth, and he rang me up and he said, um, "I have a friend in Sydney who says he has a house worth fifteen million," and I said, "You've got to be cracking jokes. There's no house in Australia worth fifteen million." And he said, "Well, this guy says it's worth fifteen million. Do you want to meet him?" You know, long story short, I went around and met him, and um, amazing house, just incredible. It's, in fact, it recently sold, unfortunately not through me, but it recently sold for about $33 million. And um, <clears throat> so I went around there, and I was very fortunate to list the property in conjunction with Bart Doff, Lang and Simmons Double Bay, who's one of the great legends of Australian real estate. And uh, we sold it together uh, by tender for $11.25 million. So that was kind of just, that was a... A network it was a call at first I said no I didn't think I could help them but then I quickly said look give me a chance to meet them and I went there and again I had to do exactly what I've just said to this particular listener I've said I had to go and find out you know what was happening in the Point Piper market what was happening at the top what were the record prices you know, and I think back in those days, the record price was six or eight million dollars, something like that. Also, want to add to that, Tom. This is well before the age of the internet and research platforms like RP Data and things like that. They, oh they well, you know, you have to go to the Wallara Council with a pen and pad, and you have to sift through reams and reams of you know paper-based data, and then drive past all the houses. This was pre definitely pre-internet, eighty-nine. So um, yeah, that that for me was a big break. And I've got to say that just getting that listing and selling it. 
that probably took me five years further down my career because then people started ringing up and saying, you're the guy that sold the 11 and a quarter million dollar property, can you come and meet us? You have the Australian record, can you come and meet us? So it, it, it is a great strategy to set yourself up in your market. Um, so it was a launch pad for you? It was a huge launch pad, Tom. And, uh, and it, was a, it was a delight to sell and, and to be quite honest, other than having to equip myself with the product knowledge, when you, when you go to sell it, it's no difference showing someone an $11 million house to a $1 million house or a $500,000 house. The process is very much the same. So I, I like the thinking behind um, this question. So I, it's, it's, from, it's from Michael, and I, I've looked up at the, the trail of the email. He's from uh, uh, the Newcastle, Charleston um, area. So I yeah, presume yeah. he's talking about moving more towards air, homes that are by the water, I, I presume. Yeah, 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 exactly. Could be uh, Newcastle, could be Warners Bay, could be yeah. any, any of those beautiful suburbs. So I, I think that's good. And look, he might be talking about how do I go from uh, 450 to 550, or he might be saying what about the top ones that are selling for one to one and a half million? Um, I would not lose touch with my current client base though because I think you can migrate over time to the top end but you don't want to toss away all the great relationships and the reputation you've built in your current half million dollar market. Well I have to say I remember a conversation I had with Shad Hassan um, from your um, inner west office last year and he said, uh, he said Tom um, one of the best decisions I made was that I would become super super focused of totally dominating just my core marketplace because it would be far more easier for me to win that business than to go into other areas and taper and play around and try and pick up the occasional lead. Whereas if I dominated, I wouldn't have to contest business as much in my core area because I was at no-brainer level. Perfect. Yeah, no, it's a, that's a good point and, and there's so many of our great listeners and the people that we've heard at ARIC and so forth in Australia that have dominated their markets. I remember hearing uh, Sarah Bushell um, uh, recently, or not recently, a couple of years ago, um, Sarah's up at uh, Balimba, right? And I think she said her core market is 400 properties and she's one of the top agents in Brisbane. 400 properties. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, that's tiny, but well, not if you have 50% market share, it's yeah. not. So uh, yeah, I think there's so many different ways, but I like the idea. I guess the, the, the summary is equip yourself with the product knowledge. Yeah. Um, make sure you have all your T's crossed and your I's dotted because people at that end of the market, the higher you go, um, the more they will scrutinize you in many ways. Other than that, just, just make the decision, go for it. Okay, thank you. Longer podcasts than normal, lots of content covered. Um, gang, um, so excited. Uh, again, just to recap, uh, um, Eric, May 22, 23, while it's fresh in my mind, guys, I did a vi video with one of the people that um, is speaking at Eric Zali. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so I've got to tell you, this is an extraordinary story. This girl um, uh, was without a home at age 13, 14, went through uh, working um, at McDonald's, living in um, um, a, fam a family friend's house. Today she's writing close to one and a half million dollars as a 30 year old girl. And if you, if there's an agent out there that wants to look at a story about how if you're focused, you have a plan, you write your plan and you do something every day towards that plan and you wake up one day and your gross certificate says that you've earned seven, eight hundred thousand dollars, come and listen to Zali. Extraordinary story. I can't wait, I can't yeah. wait to hear the story. So yeah. hopefully we'll see you guys there. If you haven't got your brochure, yet it's either about to arrive on your desk or give us a call or go to our website 
and you'll have all the information and get booked in soon and we'll, we'll see you there at the Gold Coast. Yeah. See you next week, guys. See you guys.